Hello and welcome to the Turtle Tracks Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Van Hooker, and we're here with the co-creator of the Ninja Turtles themselves, uh, Kevin Eastman. Hey, happy to be here. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> so, let me tell you, as a, as a lifelong Turtles fan, this is just a tremendous thrill for me to, to do this. Oh, thank you. I always flip it back on you guys. I wouldn't have such a cool job if not for uh, fans like yourself, so I appreciate it. I actually had the opportunity to meet you about a, a couple months ago. I uh, I live in New York, so I took a five-hour drive to Atlantic City um, to a casino to have you sign uh, something at a con. It was a, a plaque that both you and Peter Laird had signed. It was one of my favorite possessions. I remember. No, that was awesome. I appreciate coming, making making the trip down. That was uh... That was a, the show was cold. It was freezing down there that, that weekend. <laughs> it was, and it was, with the exception of the con, which was great, outside it was eerily desolate. Like, it was so quiet. <laughs> um, so, you know, with you, I wanted to do something a little different. I've done a number of these podcasts, but, you know, I figured that the early days of Mirage are kind of been covered a lot, and there's documentaries and a lot of things out there that are kind of tell the story. So I was thinking, like, maybe we could just run through a bunch of the different incarnations of the Turtles, and uh, you just tell me what your a memory or an incarnate or like a thought or whatever good bad whatever you think about it like um, just what you think about that various incarnation. Sure, no, it sounds good. All right, so uh, you know what? Just uh, let's start with uh, volume number one. Oh, the best one ever! <laughs> <laughs> no, it's no denying. Uh, um, you know, we see that first series. You know what Peter and I were doing. What we uh, what we created was. Um, Something that came from such a pure, uh, innocent place. We just wanted to do um, comics and stories that we wanted to read, have fun, you know, kind of fulfill a, a lifelong dream of, you know, following humbly in the in the footsteps of guys like Jack Kirby and people that inspired us to just write and draw and tell our own stories. So there was so much that was seat of the pants that we had no editors, no bosses. We were it, um, and so those were the best of times for sure. Very cool. What about uh, volume two? Volume 2 was fun um, in that um, we wanted to kind of keep the books on a regular schedule, um, uh, uh, regularly coming out um, in, a, in a way that Peter and I could both stay involved in them. So we worked with some of the fantastic guys uh, at the studio, Jim Watson, Mike Dini, Eric Calvert, um, <coughs> um, Craig Farley. And it was one of those things that... Um, so much stuff was going on at that time. I mean, it was really right in the middle of, you know, we were full tilt on the cartoon stuff and the toys. We were sort of managing such um, an incredible empire, uh, if you will, uh, certainly in our, our minds, um, that um, it was fun to see it continue on and, and taking um, such good care of like very competent guys. But it was uh, something I think Given the time, Pete and I would have definitely left to be more involved, directly involved in it, but we're very proud of it, and it was a great sort of final, you know, series. Oh, yeah, it's great. Um, and the full color and everything, that was cool seeing all that, and, like, it, it, was, a good, it was a good run. Have you ever read uh, Volume 3, the Image Comics? I did. Actually, that was one of the things, which is, I don't know if you were aware, um, right now we're reprinting it at IDW. Yes, in color. Yeah. No, I, I read the series, and it was um, something that that was um, I was off doing other things, so it was under Pete's uh, stewardship, and and uh, I think Pete actually handed it off, um, obviously to, to, to Gary and, and Frank and, and Eric um, at some point, and I really liked where they were going. It was so crazy, it was so nutty, it was um, 
a bit more edgy than even some of the Mirage. I mean, some of the Mirage stuff went there, but they were going to all these really kind of groovy places and edgy places that, um, you know, there was no licensing or anything else crazy going on with Turtles, so it was sort of wild, wild west, and I really enjoyed it, and I wanted to see it. Uh, I was disappointed, um, like many fans, that it was never able to be completed, so I'm glad you know, we're probably going to see it again, uh, not only again, but in full color again, and actually uh, Gary and Frank are going to finish the final three issues, so we'll see it complete once and for all. That's great. Yeah, that's relatively news, a uh, relatively new announcement that um, they're actually finishing up their run. Were they doing like two issues after it or something like that? Three, I believe Three. it stopped at issue 23, and so they'll do um, 24, 25, and 26, so, um, yeah. Yeah, for those who haven't checked it out, I mean, I feel like, I don't know if it's, it's a cool, like, what-if universe, the Turtles, I think, you know? Yeah, it was definitely designed, um, I think, even when Pete and Gary, who um, initially sort of created and, and had the concept of all, was that, you know, where it started would end up almost back to where it started again, you know, mm. it would take circle so there's definitely a what if kind of thing but it's a uh, it's a pretty cool adventure and there's some really fantastic twists and turns and some of the characters that you know not only Frank and Gary and, and Eric contributed and created for it are, it's pretty it's, it's pretty awesome <laughs> there's some there's some really crazy stuff in there I dig it uh, yeah I'm, I'm excited to get that that long awaited ending so same here uh, did you did you keep up with volume four at all when that was going on I did occasionally. Um, I picked it up here and there, but never got it as a complete run. And I think that um, it kind of came out um, kind of sporadically. So I, I would sort of catch it when I could at the comic store. Um, and I don't believe, um, and I might be wrong, but I don't believe it's ever been collected in a full fashion, um, um, which would be great to see it um, complete. And, and, or, you know, I know that um, my understanding is that where Pete sort of ended it, um, some of the guys sort of finished one of the final issues to kind of put a bit of a wrap on it, but I know that it was never complete either, which, um, but I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I haven't followed it closely enough. I would love to see IDW collect those books. I have most of them, but there's a couple, there was one that wasn't printed and then like, there was one that like, then they did the one after and printed that. So it's, I would love to see that in a collected book. Cause there's some good stories in there about the same turtles, but much more mature, which is interesting. No, I loved it. I thought, you know, Mike Dooney's covers were fantastic, and, and I thought it was, and again, it was, um, it would it would be something that, um, you know, I'd catch at the comic store here and there, so I never had a complete run, but I, I hope IDW does collect that. That would be, would be awesome. I guess this fits probably under the uh, umbrella of the volume one, but I'm, I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about Body Count. Body Count, which is, um, I just saw a preview copy of the printed book uh, the other day. I was down at IDW. Um, uh, so 1996, um, Simon and uh, Simon was visiting me from the UK. We were working on a project, and we wanted to do a turtle story together. And I was kind of carrying on about um, John Wu was really new and pretty hot at that time. We're talking 1994, 95, and uh, showed Simon a bunch of the movies. And he said, "We have to do the longest running gunfight in comics." <laughs> and then we ended up evolving that into a turtle book. So. Body Count is probably the edgiest, um, uh, right there, almost going over the edge, Turtle Stories. I don't think Pete was, was very happy with it in the end. <laughs> you know, too, actually, some of the stuff went too far for me, but once you kind of unleash Simon, you kind of you kind of go with it. But uh, it was a great uh, image originally published it. Um, it came out of the collection, I think, in 1996. Um, we did a very small, limited edition uh, press run at heavy metal, um, maybe in the early 2000s. Um, so it's never been, 
and it's never been released. And I think even Nickelodeon resisted releasing it for a while, um, but then felt it was um, a uh, fan worthiness, so if not fan, let's say uh, the fans demanded it, so they, they thought it was uh, acceptable to, <laughs> to put it out. <laughs> putting it out on you know, Top Shelf is part of IDW, so Top Shelf's putting it out in a hardcover version, um, and it should hit the streets in uh, this month, I believe. Oh, nice. I didn't know that. I have the old one. That's cool. Awesome. <laughs> it's a crazy book, man. That's it like, really is. <laughs> I, we had a lot of fun on that, and it's like, you know, the, just not to carry on, but it was one of those things that a lot of times, I'm, you know, I would lay out a story and I'd, I'd sort of do an action sequence where there might be gunfire or, some, you know, sword play or whatever. I would sort of put the main action, but then put the heaviest violence sort of off panel, and Simon was like, oh, no, we have to adjust that. And be like, <laughs> brings everything right back front and center so there's eyeballs flying around and guts going here and there so it's like that's what people expect from Simon so you gotta sort of let him go where uh, he wants to go and where fans want to see him take it so it was pretty pretty crazy it's a fun book it's like hyper gory and violent but it's it's still fun which I like um so I in the, there's so much we could say about this incredible IDW run, but I mean I don't know what you want to talk about that. But is there anything you want to say about the IDW comics because it's been spectacular? Thank you. No, it's I am so 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 absolutely proud of the series. I mean I tell fans um, uh, to me it's the closest you ever get to the original Black and White series in that um, you know it's. The tonality, um, uh, the attitude, the approach, the, the edge. I mean, Nickelodeon really lets um, lets us go go there on some of the stories. You know, um, as long as it's important to the story. But you know, I have to um, make sure that everybody knows that it's all Tom Waltz's fault. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I love Tom so dearly. He when I first went down and met him and Bobby, and Tom sort of laid out his universe, um, what it was we now call the IDW universe. He had some very specific thoughts, and he had gone through the Black and White series, and he loved the 2000 animated series, the Fox Kids series. Um, he picked different parts of different turtle universes, and he said, this is what I, I think will make a great foundation to build stories from, because we can pull from everywhere. Um, and things like the reincarnation aspect and, you know, uh, April name. It was so many things that he brought to it, I felt. Within those first five, four or five issues, it's either going to be something that the fans are going to embrace and fall in love with, or they're going to come find where we live and hang us, you know, <laughs> from the nearest tree. Um, fortunately, they embraced it, and, and, and Tom has written every single one of those issues. You know, I, I take credit for um, being part of the team that brainstorms and sort of works out the arc. I'm able to bring in my thoughts and, and ideas into the mix. Bobby Kernow, who is so much more than an editor, um, but all the heavy lifting falls on Tom's shoulders, and he does a, a spectacular job. And then you know, these guys that are drawing it, I mean, you know, Dan Duncan initially, you know, Mateus Santuclo, Corey Smith, Sophie Campbell, um, on it, there's so many more. These guys are half my age, they draw twice as good as I do, um, I love them and I hate them because they all draw better turtles than I do, but they put, um, they put everything into it, I mean, they put a lot of passion, they grew up as original turtle fans, so I'm just incredibly proud uh, of, to be part of the series, to see it evolve, and starting uh, this fall, when we get into issue... 90, the next 10 issue run is going to be um, uh, our um, love poem to City at War, uh, the final volume two series. Um, we're going to take, we're going to go there 
and more. Um, so in the last, you know, between issue 90 and 100, hold, you know, I tell fans to buckle up and hold on. It's going to be, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be intense. Oh, nice. I, I spoke with um, Bobby Kernow a few months back on this, and it was just like, it's just such an incredible book, and you guys have kind of collected the best of everything, and yet added a whole bunch of new cool stuff, too, like Old Hob and other great characters. It's a, it's an incredible book. Well, thank you. No, and we, we do. We appreciate them. It is, again, I always flip this stuff back onto the fans because um, they follow it, they've embraced it, it's, con it's continued to be a... a a good selling book uh, and up, gives us enough room to uh, to really get in there and play and have some fun. So it's uh, we thank the fans for that for sure. It's 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 been wonderful. What are your thoughts about um, the Archie book? Love love the Archie book. Um, the Archie books were neat because um, when we originally um, started them and they were conceived, it was to be kind of a companion to the animated show. So the first. Uh, five issues or more were adapting some of the animation scripts, mm -hmm. uh, but we quickly saw an opportunity to get in, you know guys like uh, Ken Micheroni, who I love, um, Dean Clorain writing, um, 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 Dan Berger. We were able to take it in a whole new way. Dave Garcia work on all of those things. There's many more. I apologize for leaving anybody out. But we said, look, we can really do something unique in this. And involve it into its own series um, within the animated world, which you know included the the creation and development of the Mutanimals and some of the other things. But that was a a great standalone series, and I think there's some really fantastic stories in there. And that is, you know, much like you know going back to the IDW universe, you know, we do look at all Trevor universes and the Archie universe as well. Um, we bring those uh, characters, the Mutanimals, are a big part of the IDW series, and we you know carefully mined and selected. You know, different things from all series, including the Archie series for, um, for the IDW book. So, love the Archie series. Oh, goodness, even Dreadmon showed up. I mean, that was crazy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. We got into uh, Dimension X last year as one of our special event mm -hmm. issues, and to be able to put in, I think we, we wanted to get in Cuddly Cowlick, but I think he's in the background of a couple scenes, but I think we, we tried to bring everybody in that we really wanted to bring in to the Dimension X series and, and uh, from, from the Archie book. So, yeah. I was so proud of myself. Uh, in the in the fourth season of the Nicktoon, there is a cuddly Calic reference that I, I must have been one of three people in the world who caught it. No, that's and that's um, you know I point to Ciro Neely is uh, <clears throat> what a what a guy. Um, you know I love telling the story that I mean he grew up in uh, uh, you know Pennsylvania. Um, his uh, his father owned a pizza place, and he grew up eating pizza, drawing turtles, and, and so many other things. But he was the perfect guy. And I actually had met Ciro through a friend, Bob Burton, who created the Flaming Carrot. I met Ciro before um, he got the series, and always was already quite fond of him. And he really took, um, I think, a brilliant and very similar approach that Tom Walsh took, which was looking at all the different turtle universes and. I mean, the first time I used to tour through IDW, I mean, IDW, Nickelodeon pretty regularly and, and, and do some very light consulting, but sort of see what Sierra was doing and, and have all the original Mirage covers all on the studio walls and, and things. But he really um, brought some fantastically interesting stories to light in, again, the same fashion that Tom did, picking from multiple tour universes and creating a new platform to tell stories from. But um, some of that stuff was so funny and some of it was so weird so bizarre, <laughs> so bizarre. Um, like I can't believe you got away with that I mean but it's um, but I do I, I dig that series that that was that, that run from 2012 to 2017 was absolutely fantastic 
Oh, it's a great show. And honestly, one of the best episodes in the whole series is yours, the Lone Rat and Cubs. Goodness. Oh, oh man, you're too kind, but thank you. Now, that was that was a dream. I, you know, because um, I always brag to everybody that I was the voice of Ice Cream Kitty, which was fun. Yeah. But, um, you know, uh, when Ciro uh, had wanted me to write something for the series um, uh, over the years, and finally, we, I said, you know, when the right idea kind of evolves, let's, let's go there. And, and we were brainstorming about what it would be, and I had... And uh, Ciro just happened to mention, he said, you know, if I have one more fan write me and ask me when they're going to see Turtle Babies, he said, I just don't have, not, haven't figured out how to crack that nut. Um, and I just, the night before, watched Lone Wolf and Cub, um, uh, you know, it was a rerun somewhere. And I said, wouldn't it be crazy if, you know, when Splinter first meets the Turtles, um, uh, you know, he's pushing them around in a shopping cart, a la Lone Wolf and Cub, with pushing around that wooden cart in feudal Japan, to protect his, his kids as their relationship comes together and they flipped out. So that was really the, the, the seed of the idea and to do so many fun things and, and bring that to life was, was really a joy. I'm really happy to be part of that, that final season, especially, you know, it ran right around, you know, the, the whole Yasagi Yojimbo three-part series was like, holy smokes. I mean, I like to see that as a movie, a standalone movie. Oh, it was fantastic. It really was. They did a great job. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, the whole show was great. I just that was a particular one where I'm like, that was an excellent episode. I just watched it the other night. So, awesome, thank you. What's the uh, what are your thoughts on the or uh, feelings about the original cartoon? You know, I loved it. It was, um, but it was one of those things that you know, um, when it started, those first five episodes, we kind of had this feeling. You know, there's two things going on, and I think it sort of relates to the first issue is. When we did the first comic, is it going to sell? Is anybody going to anybody going to ever buy this? Is anybody anybody going to care? <laughs> um, so when we did the cartoon show. We're like, you know, I don't. Can it make from this edgy sort of cult black and white comic jump into the mainstream media of a cartoon show and toy line for kids? But um, we were sort of in disbelief that it is a great experience, but we don't think it's going to actually work. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, having the full control um, and say over characters that Peter and I were lucky enough to have, um, we put it, um, all of our heart and soul into it. We wanted to make it as good as we possibly could, knowing we were writing it down for a very specific audience. So um, we were heavily involved with David Wise and making all the decisions for look and style. But when that first, those first five episodes came out, um, you know, we loved them. It was like, oh, this is great. And then we, we heard back that the ratings were really good. And we were like, holy smokes. <laughs> and then, you know, that's when everything really started. And that was, you know, Christmas break, 1987. They ran those first five episodes. And, uh, um, oh, little Timmy, you, you probably already know this. You know Chuck Lorre wrote the original theme song, right? Yes, I did. Yeah. I did. You know, for years I had forgotten about that. And somebody reminded me a few years ago. And, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. And then we got to meet Chuck. Um, recently which was kind of a fun thing um, but. I had a, a bit of a trivia question is what is your favorite Turtles theme song favorite Turtles theme song yeah um, <laughs> oh man I wish I had one there was a couple alternate versions that Chuck Lorre did before the uh, before the one we chose and there was one kind of a western theme one which I thought <laughs> was really sweet um, you know it was like kind of like similar to Rawhide or something like that um, but I like that um the original one, because it was the original one, I feel like that will always be my favorite. I do like um, what Nick Levy did when they updated it um, for, the, for the new 2012 show. They really incorporated that and added a little bit of 
updating to it. So, but yeah, I'd have to say the first one just because. Yeah, it's it's very, it's very iconic. <laughs> um. All right. What about next mutation? Next mutation. That's my fault. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's um. A lot of people really don't like that series. I unfortunately really do like that series. Um, for what it was and what it was intended to be, and and it was um. Uh, a lot of people don't know that it was kind of based, we were developing a fourth Ninja Turtle movie with New Line, which never went ahead, which um, the plot revolved around a fifth. Kirby. Kirby, exactly. <clears throat> Margaret Lesh at um, Fox changed it to a female turtle um, at the 11th hour. Um, Pete refused to, to allow that to happen. So it was a choice of, well, Margaret basically said if if you want to have a show, then this go girl turtle. If you don't want to have a show, then you know say no to the girl turtle. And Pete um, begrudgingly said, "You can go ahead with the series, but I don't want any part of it." So um, I ran that series, and uh, it was Dan Clark was the main writer. I worked with Dan Clark and Lance Robbins, and with the budget that we had, uh, the Sabanisms, uh, we put a lot into that show. And, and you know, I liked Venus, um, but I think it was just. Uh, <laughs> Fans, fans didn't. Um, so that's sort of the that's the, the blooper. That's one hundred percent my fault. So. <laughs> Luckily, oh. Pete redeemed it a little bit when he did the two thousand series. So. <laughs> I um I'm somebody who like tried to find something I like in everything, and I, I mean like you know that show is hit and miss for me, but it it has some of the best turtle toys of any of them. Those are great ones. <laughs> no, that's good. Yeah, so. yeah. It was you know I liked um, yeah. <laughs> oh, funny. Um, all right, so uh, the the two thousand three series. What what are your uh, what are your thoughts on that one? Loved it. No, I thought it was great. It was, um, and it was great that um, you know he was able to wrestle back. Uh, not so much wrestle back, but he he brought it back into um, more focused control because Marsh um, helped paper the episodes, so they had a lot more say um, and. Uh, it was a time that you could go to a audiences of grown up, so you could go and get away with a more edgier series than the earlier versions. Mm. Um, so that is, um, you know, Tom Walsh's favorite series. <clears throat> you know, uh, out of all of them, he likes that, and that's why you'll see a lot of why you see a lot of uh, characters like Han and Aunt, uh, Angel and, and so many other characters that have uh, been brought. And Bishop's become a great character from that, yeah. Yeah, I like the Turtles Forever, the son of the final. That was the final um, of the same team that did that series, did Turtles Forever, but I think it was by then the sale had gone through and it, it, it was released under Nickelodeon, but Turtles Forever I thought was just absolutely brilliant. That's one of my one of my all-time favorites, you know. Oh, it's such a great love letter to the old cartoon. I, the only thing that's missing is those voices, but it's a fantastic cartoon. So, have you ever seen the anime show? Because I haven't. I'm just curious what you thought. The Japanese anime? Yeah, was it any good? It was... <laughs> it was I've never seen it. it, was, it but it was like, what the heck was it? You know, it was one of those... <laughs> we, we know we were there. We, but I remember that, like, you know, when um, the idea of it, it evolved, it was sort of like, you know... you know, I mean, an example, it's like, um, people would say, oh... 
your ninja turtles, these martial arts turtles, you're, these must be huge in Japan and in Asian countries. And, and actually it wasn't for a very long time, um, um, mainly because, you know, when you sort of would speak to the Japanese about it and they'd be like, so these are, because ninja's not a, it's a murderer. It's like, right. it's an assassin, it would kill anybody. So it's like, so let me get this straight. This is teenage mutant murdering turtles. We don't get it. Um, <laughs> And so uh, um, they, they tried it on a couple of different platforms, um, didn't quite work. And then I think they did one version, uh, they released a sort of limited release and it was kind of popular for a while. But then they said, look, why don't we make them into these robot anime kind of things and do what we think the Japanese audiences really want to see. And they did, and it was just so bizarre. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, it was one of those, you know, we've done, you know, you look at, you know, so many different kinds of turtle stories we've done over the years. Um, this was just an outstanding, you know, couldn't be a great what if, you know, whatever. So it'd be nice to see that re-released one day. Yeah, I'm, I, I've never gotten a chance. I wonder if it's on YouTube or something. I, I should have taken a look, but... Yeah, it's got to be, yeah. Everything's on YouTube, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of stuff you can find on YouTube, um, so you take you take the full blame for um, <laughs> for next mutation. Who, who, who's to blame for coming out of their shells? <laughs> that would be um, um, definitely falls squarely on Peter and I for <laughs> saying yes. Um, you know, I'll share the blame with him. But you know, the thing was is uh, our agent felt, and and you know, I think you know the logic was all there. It's like you think of you know Disney on Ice. Um, you know, these different kid shows that tore around that made sense that like, oh, this could be a great opportunity to do a, a concept that could have a, a, a message that could have a, um, something be fun for the kids to see. And, and so many things sort of went left and right. I mean, we liked the songs, we thought they were fine, but when you see it all put together and, you know, for example, the, some of the opening nights of the, uh, of, of the show, the stage show that, the shells and the costumes were so heavy, um, and the lights were so hot that literally actors were passing out wearing them left and right. And so, you know, they go halfway through, you know, the first 20 minutes of the show, and then suddenly there's a turtle passed out in the corner because he's. Um, so then they took the shells off, and then they put like um, those little denim jackets, and it was just uh, uh, something that started as a good idea and kind of spun off the rails at some point. But I, I do, I have, I have fans that come up and go. Man, I went to that. That was great. And I was, you know, you know, it's like a four or five year old. You know, it's like I thought it was the greatest thing ever. I'm like, well, bless your buttons. It's awesome. That was that was a little silly. Yeah. I was one of those four or five year olds, and I still have a bit of love for the um, the Pizza Power song because I I actually own an arcade game of Turtles in Time, and when you when you flick it on, that's the song that comes on. So there's a special place in my heart for that. I love it. I love it. That was that was funny. I think that one of the highlights that you said that. A self, well, a, some Sultan um, literally flew the entire cast, crew, stage, everything from from the U.S. to 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 London for a, one of his kids' birthday parties. <laughs> <laughs> so it was popular somewhere. <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of us. I mean, a lot of kids had that VHS tape. I know I did. That's one of my favorite things to see coming through the line when I do conventions is you know seeing a VHS of the old cartoons of the movies or you know out of the shelves store. Oh yeah. So that's about wrapping it up. But I wonder maybe we'll just throw out the movies. What your thoughts are overall of the Turtles on film? You know, um, nothing. 
nothing will ever take the place of the first one. Yeah. You know, Steve Barron, Doug Langdon, the incredible, uh, awesome Jim Henson, Brian Henson was second unit director, um, you know, Elias Kateas, Judith, um, it was, you know, it was the, it was almost like, um, that was the perfect blend to me. It was had the exact right amount of bits and pieces in uh, from the black and white comics for the older audience and, and just enough of the right bits and pieces of the cartoon for the younger audiences. So there was humor, there was drama, there was, uh, it was just so beautifully done. And, and it's sort of like, it's such, such a high watermark that, um, you know, a lot of fans really like movie two. Um, uh, some of them like movie two more. To me, I felt that it drifted too much towards the cartoon show. Yeah. Um, Turtles three. Um, uh, a lot of people don't like that one. I like that one. A I lot. do too. I do too. I know it's bad, but I like it. <laughs> no, I thought it was a great opportunity to do a fun story. Yeah. Um, the two thousand seven um, animated movie was fantastic. Um, really loved what uh, uh, Michael did. Uh, the new movies are interesting. Um, challenging um, the 2014-2016 I think there was some great stuff in those movies um, I felt that um, you know what the director um, what they wanted to do with them uh, I could see their vision I consulted on them to a certain extent they didn't really use much of what I um, told them that they should do but they really a lot of people don't realize they base you know that look of the turtles off the Michael Zuli. Mirage Studios published black and white comic, the larger size turtles. And stuff. Yeah. Um, felt that, you know, they really <clears throat> gravitated that style when they saw it. And I, my advice was, I just felt they were too big. I said, if you, it's like Superman to a certain extent. If the, if the, if the hero is too powerful, you sort of lose the underdog aspect and the, you know, so there's a lot of things that didn't quite work, but I do love that uh, we finally got to see Bebop and Rocksteady on the big screen. Um, I love that uh, Krang uh, made it in. Um, Casey, I wish um, Stefan was used uh, a lot more in that movie, but um, we'll see what they're going to do with the new one. I, I read about it like everybody else in the trades. I guess they're developing a new live-action movie. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I I think there's some, you know, there's some issues with the movies, but honestly, they nailed Bebop and Rocksteady on film. Like, I've been waiting for that since Turtles 2, and they're there, so they're, they're great. That was fantastic. Yeah. Love it up. You know, that about covers it. I, I, I The last question I wanted to ask you was, uh, and I know it's hard to pick, but who's your favorite turtle? Well, it's always, you know, my my politically correct answer is, you know, they're all, you know, they're all my kids. They're all our kids. Um, so it's hard to pick a favorite. But, um, uh, you know, if I had to choose one, I feel partial to Michelangelo because uh, he was the first turtle conceived, you know, that bandana with the nunchuck strapped to his arm even before he was Michelangelo. He was Michelangelo. Um, one of my favorite turtles to tell stories with is Raphael, um, thus body count, so many short stories I've done. Putting Casey and Raphael together is two goofball brothers that are beating each other up and they're not beating up bad guys and they're, they're sort of the perfect, you know, goofball brothers, I guess. Um, but yeah, love, love them all, um, but uh, I guess I'd say firstborn Mikey is, is sort of just a, a, a nudge above the rest. And that made a very cool, like, little plastic toy they made a couple years ago. The... Oh, Mon did that. Yeah. The one, yeah, they made the first turtle one. That was, uh, was awesome. Yeah, that was cool. Well, you know, Kevin, that really kind of covers everything. Uh, I mean, there's a million things I could talk to you about, but, I mean, for those out there, check out the IDW comics. Uh, Drawing Blood is coming soon. So. Yes, we 
literally um, on my desk over there. I'm finishing my last page uh, today. Ben's finished his work for us, so we're um, it's you know thanks to the fans supporting our Kickstarter, the book is done. Um, we are able to fund the book. Spent a year doing it, but the book is done, so we can't wait to release it. Probably uh, off to press in a week, and it'll be shipping to the supporters um, in early uh, August. Um, but we're, we're we're super pumped. I think fans are going to get a huge kick out of um, this project. That's great, and I, I know Ben Bishop a little bit, and I've seen his artwork, and it's amazing. It's fantastic. He is. He really brought it to life. He's uh, he's he's the he's the man and a fellow maniac, so uh, uh, brother from Maine. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, Kevin, that really covers it. Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Brian. Enjoy the chat. Take yeah. care. See your day, okay? <laughs> Ciao, <Bunga. laughs> That's Awesome. Turtles, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles